0: Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Wednesday, July 20th, 2022, which is the day that the Avengers campus officially opened to the public at Walt Disney Studios Park at the Disneyland Paris Resort. And Aaron and I will be talking a bit about that in the second half of today's show. Also, today is the preview night for this year's San Diego Comic-Con. It used to be back in the day preview night. You could actually walk the show floor they sort of threw it in if you bought the four-day pass, and so you, you could be among the first to get in there and get your limited edition stuff. And these days, preview night is almost as busy as Saturday at Comic-Con. Speaking of purchases, though, you and Sabrina got something interesting this week, right? Yeah, we just had, uh, actually
1: within the last hour and a half, a PlayStation 5 delivered to our front door, so... You know, it's really odd. My wife has always been saying for the last several months, I want to get a kitty cat. I want a cat. Mm -hmm. No, we can't have a cat. They cost too much. It's too much responsibility. I don't have time for a cat, but I really want a cat. So a couple of days ago, I saw a headline that there's a new video game called Stray that came out. And uh, I happened to show my wife, hey, did you see this video game? And she's like, oh, is that the one about the kitty cat? No, I haven't seen it. And I went, hey, wait a minute. That's kind of odd. And then I went, oh, well, it, it's uh, on, on PlayStation only, so we don't have a PlayStation, so I guess we can't play it. And then she's like, oh, that's interesting. And then she didn't say anything else about it. And then today she was like, oh, by the way, I ordered a PlayStation. Uh, make sure you keep your ears open for a knock at the door. And I'm like, ah, so we did get a cat. We got a, a digital kitty cat. So, yeah, she's downstairs right now playing kitty cat. Uh, but we got, a, we, so we got a PlayStation. The thing the that uh, actually has interest of Marvel to it Mm -hmm. is uh, we got a remote control with the thing, which is not in and of itself odd. But what is odd is that it's got a button on it dedicated to Disney Plus. And I thought that was a rather stupendous feat at this point in Disney Plus's lifespan. It's also got buttons dedicated to Netflix. Netflix has been around for a day or two, so that's not surprising. YouTube, also not surprising. The fourth button... To be dedicated to a thing is to Spotify, to music, not even Mm -hmm. a video channel like Apple TV or something like that, right? So Apple TV can't get a dedicated button on the Sony remote, but Disney Plus can. Do you think that they have a relationship at all anywhere, like there might have two execs that have worked together in the past that might help lubricate this deal Jim do you th- do you think Feige and and uh, <laughs> one of the Sony execs are like hey you know it'd be great if you want uh, another set of Spider-Man movies how about you give us a shiny button on your remote
0: At the PS5 hits the market on November 12th 2020 that's a year after Disney Plus debuts and I know you know it was fairly successful out of the gate but warranting its own button on the remote for the PS5. I mean, That's-
1: that seems like a deal made between two companies more than yeah. anything. And so, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's, I guess it's always good to see cooperation between the two because when you hear of a, a kerfluffle between a Spider-Man negotiation, it's like, hey, guys, if you could get mm-hmm. the Disney Plus button on the Sony PlayStation remote, surely mm-hmm. you can work out this deal with Tom Holland, right? You know, I mean, <laughs> if you've been through worse, kids... I think was the the thing. So yeah, I just found it very interesting that as Disney plus, it's not like we expect it to fail or anything silly like that, but it is really young in its lifespan to start appearing on dedicated, uh, buttons
0: on, on remote controls. That fascinates me. Disney plus debuts November of 2019 and to be in stores in the marketplace for November 12th, 2020 That means that things in manufacture the spring, late winter, early spring Mm. of 2020. So three months after. Disney Plus debuts, it's like, yes, you know, you're a button on our console or the remote. That's a big bet. That's a big roll of the dice. So. And the
1: good news is, I'll now be able to have a review of the Spider Man game from a few years back, as well as the new <laughs> Miles Morales <laughs> Spider Man game that I've been lax at getting to. So uh, well, they are now okay. downloading well, in the background. They'll be done in about seven hours. God, the internet's okay. slow sometimes. All
0: right. Just don't talk about the kitty cat game out loud. If Nancy hears about this, we'll have to get a PS5. Right. Okay. We were talking about San Diego Comic-Con and deadline just broke that. Yes, there's the big Hall H presentation on Saturday. Again, that's the last presentation of the day. Deadline is already kind of putting out the word to the effect. Don't expect a whole lot of news coming out of this thing because evidently Marvel Studios has decided to hold back all of its really big announcements for the D23 Expo, which is going to be September 9th through the 11th of this year. But supposedly what folks, uh, the 6,000 folks crammed in the whole age, will definitely get to see is footage from She-Hulk, which again debuts on Disney Plus on August 17th of this year, and then some footage from Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which, Arrives in theaters November 11th, but again, that's kind of a gimme. The next big television thing from Marvel and the next big movie, and beyond that, uh, the Mahershala Ali Blade reboot mm-hmm. now has a new title. It's going to be called The Blade.
1: Oh my God! Yeah. <sighs> so so Just had to um, throw that extra word in there. The Blade. I, I, oh my
0: God. The, oh. the Blade.
1: So like when he walks into a room, like a, a, a room full of vampires, are they going to go, look out, it's the blade. <laughs> is, is that how that's going to play out now?
0: I don't honestly know. Hey, what, I mean, I You just... look
1: pretty mean. What do they call you? They call me the blade. Uh, <laughs> I just, I don't know, man. I just, uh, uh, it just makes it a little dime store feel is what it
0: does. Uh, I know, okay. I know. So, no. All right, well, well, before we get to the rest of the news, uh, I should mention that the news portion of today's Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience every time, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Uh, we talked on the last show about... That end scene from Ms. Marvel, where Brie Larson's Carol Danvers character seemed to squish places with Amon Valani's uh, Kamala Khan character, but at the same time we were told that, okay, you're going to have to wait a year, July 28th, 2023 is when the Marvels finally arrives in theaters. We'll be waiting to find out why they switch places. We also had news. Uh, we talked on a recent show about how Samuel uh, L. Jackson is doing some reshoots for the Marvels when he's in London uh, this month. In fact, we were just reading today that evidently the reshoots on secret invasion began this week, but supposedly when they uh, Samuel L. Jackson and, Brie Larson and Amon Vellani all get together. They're going to be joined at these reshoots by Ashton Mount, who played Black Bolt in the Eternal, excuse me, uh, the Inhumans TV series, as well as playing a version of that same character in the recently released Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. But he's also, he's supposed to be playing Black Bolt again. Huh. When the Inhumans debuted on ABC in the fall of 2017 and basically didn't make a ripple, I mean, it was like, you know, it was very interesting to have not just the Marvel fan community, but the entire television viewing audience like, do not want. I mean, a shot in Hawaii, it's lovely to look at, do not want. And yet here is Black Bolt back again.
1: I think part of it has to do with the fact that uh, Marvel as an entity loves Mm -hmm. a good actor and he is tearing the screen up as Pike on strange new worlds. And I think they're like, you know what? We got to give this guy a shot. And, you know, we can admit that the inhumans Mm -hmm. shot against gray on gray on gray because they're on the moon and they've never heard of paint. Um, so maybe that had its flaws. However, that does Mm -hmm. not mean that Anson Mount is not one of the greatest actors working right now. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I can see them not giving up on the character simply because he's such a strong actor. I can see that being the logic there.
0: I think you're genuinely onto something in regard to Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I mean, it just... Drew recently, who was saying it was his favorite Star Trek in years. That absolutely, really doing, yeah, yeah, doing a great job. I, mm-hmm. I have to make some time to watch this.
1: Yeah, it's worth it.
0: Okay, well, again, I just I'm intrigued to have him on the canvas again. Uh, another quick note in regard to Ms. Marvel. That end scene in Kamala uh, Khan's bedroom, that was actually shot by Nia DaCosta, the director of the first Captain Marvel movie and Ms. Marvel or excuse me, uh, The Marvels. And evidently what they did is in London at Long Cross Studios, uh, in fact, that's in Surrey, they built, I want to say, two or three walls of uh, Kamala's bedroom, recreated it from the TV show, and they shot it there and then digitally uploaded the footage to the folks in California who cut it into the final episode, the end scene, so... It's a big surprise to that cast as it was, they, they were more excited to see Carol Danvers showing up than I think the, you know, the people at home were watching.
1: Wouldn't it be weird if they did the Marvels with with like the Freaky Friday movie formula where they did a, a body swap? <laughs>
0: oh, <laughs> as much as I, you know, you were saying on the last show that you want to be adopted by their family. You want to go eat at that yeah. house. I wouldn't have a problem with that. I so enjoyed the Kamala Khan's parents and her brother and the new sister-in-law and all that. It's like, yes, I, I would go back to that house to see Brie Larson. You know, you know, eat your curry. Shut up. Anyway, uh, speaking of shooting, a production of Madame Web has just gotten underway in Boston. The footage must be really good because did you see where they have changed the release date of Madam Web from July 7th of next year. They pushed it out to October 6th. So pushing it back is a good sign? The reason that it's the first weekend of October, which is where Columbia Pictures has released Venom and then uh, the Venom sequel, Let There Be Carnage, uh, same weekend, they released that in 2021. And in both cases, they did great numbers. Yeah, but the wasn't that kind of-, of trying
1: to harness the power of the Halloween season in that October release? Whereas, Madam Webb, I don't think has anything spooky or scary or anything like that that could help it in October. Like, if we have Halloween Ends coming out this mm-hmm. season for Halloween, I am mm-hmm. not going to see a, a Marvel movie. If I have to choose between the two, I'm going with Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Myers wrapping this story up. <laughs> yeah?
0: <laughs> well, again, again, you have to understand these are the, the Sony executives who are you know still sitting in the crater that was caused by the, let's put Morbius back in theaters. The kids seem to want it. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. You are right. This is more of a horror-tinged Marvel film, which is why we want to bring it out in the weeks before Halloween. I think these are just uh, executives who are uh, being cautious.
1: Yeah. They're like, let's give us a couple more weeks just to polish it a few more weeks. If we need it, not saying we need it, but if we need it, we got it.
0: I'm actually thinking it's more of a case of, okay, we know the first weekend of October is a safe Harbor for spunk movies. We've done well in that slot.
1: See, now here's where I would kick back on that and go, you remember you ended the last Spider-Man movie with him swinging around the Christmas tree. And we were debating mm-hmm. where, where it lined up with Hawkeye. Should the Christmas tree be toppled over? If <laughs> uh, Madam Webb is on the side of good, yep. maybe you could have a holiday spirit feeling around this where everything's just a little bit lighter, a little bit brighter, and a little bit more jovial. Or at least that's the scene in the background while you know the the gang is trying to keep it together in New York City or whatever the case may be. But um. Yeah, I just don't see anything in the month of October helping a Madam Web movie because it shouldn't have the spooky vibe.
0: Totally get what you're saying here, but the Venom movies have made a lot of money in that slot. In fact, just in the past week, we learned that Tom Hardy, who plays the title characters in all the Venom movies, first time out, was paid $7 million to play Venom. For the soon-to-begin-shooting Venom 3, he's getting $20 million. So it's like, and you can bet, Given that payday, we're going back to our, the first weekend of October with Venom 3. We will stand in that safe harbor and come give us your money. Do you want to play the hypothetical
1: and and see, do you think Morbius would have been helped out if it would have released in October as a vampire movie instead of April 1st as a, I guess it would be the early, early, early summer blockbuster release?
0: Yeah, <sighs> Boy, that's hard to say.
1: Yeah, I mean it's hard to look back and and try and predict what would have happened in a in a fake scenario, but it's like it didn't do well on its own. It if you know, sometimes it's story, sometimes it's you know production, but sometimes it's timing. And people have to be in the mood for a vampire movie right and yeah. and that that october cuz i mean you're being pummeled by advertising for dracula movies on the old tv channels and you know we're doing marathons of stephen king movies and we're doing marathons of chucky and and like all this stuff and and it kind of gets you primed for yeah it's it's halloween month i want to go see but i don't want to see something i've already seen i want something new hey there's a vampire movie coming and it may not be your typical vampire movie okay it's a spunk vampire movie but still it's a vampire movie I haven't seen, and it's the month of October when I'm ready for uh, a vampire movie,
0: right? We're in an era now where movie box offices are treated like ball scores. Mm-hmm. There's your opening weekend, and oh, well, how did you do in weekend two? And it's like, oh, business fell off by 60-some-odd percent. You're now a failure. I mean, literally, this is what people were saying about Thor, Love and Thunder, just this past weekend. Uh, The box office in North America fell off by 68%. The taika Waititi movie made 47 million its second weekend in North America. But Spider Man No Way Home, back in December, its box office also falls off by 68% in its second weekend. And that movie goes on to make $1.9 billion worldwide. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness opens at theaters in May. Second weekend, its box office falls off by 67%. Uh, it goes on to make more than $950 million worldwide. And to date, Thor Love and Thunder, its box office total stands at $511 million worldwide. I cannot tell you, Aaron, how many pieces I saw this weekend where it was like, oh, you know, well, this is a clear sign that, you know, people are just not responding to phase four of the MCU. And maybe Kevin Feige has lost his golden touch. And it's like people are so desperate to write the Marvel Studios is failing story.
1: Right. (laughs) As you're still making hundreds of millions of dollars in profit and scoring really well with the tomato people.
0: Yep. Yep. Marvel Studios is fine. Wait to see the pile of money that Black Panther Wakanda Forever makes in November. I will bet you now that when we get the box office totals for the second weekend of that Ryan Coogler film, I will bet you the business has fallen off by something in the mid to high 60s. And as we're talking about Thor and Love and Thunder here, uh, a couple of Easter eggs have bubbled up. Have you heard that Mark Hamill has a cameo in this thing? Yeah,
1: like a blink and you'll miss it. Uh, I think in the, he's even in the foreground, isn't he?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, it just, there is a crowd scene in New Asgard where Thor is reassuring the residents there, not to worry, I'm here to save the day. And there among the, the folks with the beards who are looking unconcerned is Mark Hamill, and he himself confirmed. Didn't he call it his second blink and you'll miss me cameo? So... Um, what was the first?
1: I thought it was just one of his many blink-and-you'll-miss-it cameos because, like, he's appeared in Star Wars many times, mm-hmm. not as Luke.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's done voices for, like, the gambling droids in uh, the—not the last Jedi. Was it the last? Yeah, the last Jedi, when they, mm-hmm. when they have their little side excursion to the gambling planet. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he plays, like, the rich drunk robot that bangs on BB for coins or whatever. And, uh, he also voiced, uh, an alien, uh, that was doing like, uh, like the craps table or something like that. So yeah, mm-hmm. he's, he's done many, many, many cameos in many movies, either as just a voice hmm. or, you know, he'll appear like in, in costume and, and do a thing, not as a, a major character, just as a, here I am, catch me. Okay. I'm gone. And, uh, that's it. Cause it's fun. So yeah, he's, he's done a lot of that. I just don't, I don't know of any other ones in any Marvel movies. So I think that's the only one, but we can double check that.
0: Okay, well, we'll do some digging and get back to you folks. Also, anyone who's seen the ads for uh, Thor, Love and Thunder knows that there's a moment where Zeus f- flicks off Thor's clothes and uh, or Thor flicks off Thor's disguise to see who he actually is. And- oh, we call that the uh, crack of thunder. There scene. we go. All right, yes. We, 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 we get to see Thor's back and, and then some. But what's interesting is that when they go in for the close-up of the upper back, we get to see that Thor has some tattoos. And they are honoring his lost loved ones. And start off with a sizable tattoo for his brother. It's a R.I.P. Loki. And then there's a scroll that lists those others that he mourns. And they are Mother, Father, Hemdale. Tony and Natasha. So it acknowledges that he misses his friends, Iron Man and the Black Widow. Also, uh, on the last show, you brought up, Aaron, that Brett Goldstein from Ted Lasso has been cast as Hercules uh, in the MCU. Sure, yeah. But at a uh, Ted Lasso event, he was asked about how he was able to keep the secret for as long as he did, and he joked to the effect, well, Marvel put a chip in my head that, that would have exploded if if I had, you know, if I hadn't spoke about, you know, about it, which is why I didn't tell anyone, not even my own family.
1: How's that for your spouse? Where were you today? I can't tell you. Oh, really? You smell like perfume. No, I swear to God, honey, it was work. Oh, yeah? Where were you? I can't tell you. You know, like that fight just goes on and on and on. And then it's like seven months later and they're both sitting in the theater and he goes, look, I was in a freaking movie. Now I can tell you. It wasn't Diane, your sister. Okay? I promise. (laughs) You know, I couldn't tell you because of a contract.
0: That's a remarkably specific bit of play acting there, Aaron. Yeah, just don't ask what
1: my my wife's sister's name is, okay? There we go!
0: Okay. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Moving from one buff Marvel superhero to another, we were talking earlier uh, about She-Hulk Attorney at Law, which uh, is going to be showcased at San Diego Comic-Con this coming week. But we also have some info about this new series, which Marvel's trying to get out ahead of the show and make people aware it's like, look, this is not Falcon and the Winter Soldier. This is not WandaVision. This is a half hour long legal comedy.
1: I hope it opens up like Ally McBeal. I just just want like the theme song and everything to be straight ripped off Ally McBeal, except the girls giant and green. I think that would be a great starting point. Maybe not, I don't know.
0: Well, I mean, you've seen the poster of the, you know, the green, the high-heeled foot, you yeah. know, making you know, it. But that's kind of what it reminds me of. From what I've been hearing about the opening, that, you know, that, that there's at least one sort of Ally McBeal-ish tribute coming. All right, cool. Uh, but anyway, uh, first three episodes... First one, again, well, we know, August 17th. The second one is the 24th of that month, and then the third is August 31st. Nine in total. They will continue to chug all the way through to Wednesday, October 5th. And Titania Mansley, the young lady who's playing uh, Jennifer Walters and She-Hulk on the show, has been talking about what it's been like to do this. And it's, you know, a lot of it involves standing on... <laughs> know, sets of stairs so she can maintain the proper eye lines with her fellow actors as they're shooting the scenes for her to be replaced later and she when asked what that was like it's like well you know you feel like a dork but somehow you also feel cool at the same time and so okay we talked at the top of the show about the Avengers Campus at Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris and when we get back we're going to walk through how we got there Again, Aaron, refresh my memory. What? It's August 2009, and you hear that the Walt Disney Company has just bought Marvel Entertainment and access to 5,000 characters. And mm, yeah, the
1: rage. <laughs> that I was, was, yeah, I was having a Hulk moment. I was, I was mm-hmm. offended. Mm-hmm. Don't you, Mickey Mouse, my characters, Disney? Yeah, and you know the thing was because I, as I grew up over the years and my tastes matured. And things like Marvel Knights, which were a little bit more bloody and graphic, and, and the language you know, also evolved a little bit in that direction as well. So I didn't want uh, the Punisher to be using mm-hmm. a Nerf gun, Nerf bullets. Mm-hmm. You know. I wanted, I wanted there to be uh, severe damage, because only then can you face repercussions for the damage you've caused. You, you have to have the, the violence in order to make the message about what the Punisher's doing wrong on his vengeance quest full of blood. Um, yeah, you, you can't regret the trail of blood unless there's a trail of blood to regret. So when uh, Disney was making the purchase and we already had Iron Man, and I think at that point it had made all the non-believers believers. It made mm-hmm. a lot of people who were not aware of what, what a Marvel character was. Uh, shone light on what you could do with a Marvel character. Because really, the only good movies that people had really gotten were some Spider-Man movies. and I mean, obviously, Blade and X-Men were were good Marvel movies as well. But this was the beginning of the MCU, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. they had to make a stamp and make it different. And so, yeah, with the, the general public, and, and I do recall all of my friends also having that very same shrewd attitude of Disney is going to screw this up and we are going to boycott them and march
0: with pitchforks and torches. And uh, boy, were we wrong. Okay. Now, Disney took this opportunity very, very seriously, especially the theme park side. In fact, I have seen artwork for a proposed Marvel park, literally an entire Marvel theme park that would have been built out in California in the parking lot, the Toy Story parking lot, across from uh, the Anaheim Convention Center where where the D23 Expo uh, will be held come September. There were five and six different lands. It was a very ambitious idea, but the imaginators were hamstrung by that master licensing agreement that Universal had made with Marvel Entertainment back in March of '99, which is what led to Marvel Superhero Island, uh, which opened at Universal's Island Adventure Theme Park in Florida in 1999. By the
1: way, uh, Marvel and Disney—the the riverboat idea along the Mississippi River—is still an option for you. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there because I haven't got my check for that yet. And I haven't heard any openings about a a riverboat for Marvel on the Mississippi. But go
0: ahead, Jim. (laughs) Well, no, no, no. It's so so interesting you say that because during the period where they were trying to figure out what they could get away with. And this is how March of 2013 we got the monorail at Walt Disney World that was skinned uh, for Iron Man 3. They had to put the fear of God into the, the monorail drivers at that time because the way the language of the master licensing deal with Universal was written was as long, you know, the Marvel characters could not appear in a theme park other than a Universal theme park. As long as the monorail stayed on the track outside of the Magic Kingdom, did the loop that took people to the, the Grand Flow and the Contemporary and the Poly, it was fine. But it was like, God forbid that somebody hit the track switch and sent this very same monorail down the line into Epcot. Because once it passed into Epcot, it had violated the deal. And that meant Universal could go to Disney and say, I would like a really large check right now. Because you violated our, you know, the terms of our agreement with Marvel. So they, they, they brought all the, the monorail pilots into a room when they had the skinned Iron Man 3 thing and put the fear of God into them, you know, the... You know, we will kill you. Get it if you accidentally take a monorail over there, we will kill you.
1: I can see like they, they pass the the barrier point and all of a sudden they stop it and all of the guests are like, Have you ever seen a monorail go in reverse? This is a first. What's going on up there, Captain? No, no, no. Well, I don't want to talk about it. All you That's need right. to know is uh, no we're one's going getting back. sued. The, yeah, we're going back <laughs> right. a little bit, and no one's getting yeah. sued, and yeah. I get to go home and see my wife at the end of the day.
0: <laughs> there we go. There we go. Now, kind of a saving grace here was that as part of this deal, Universal had the rights to use some of the uh, Marvel characters out in California at Universal Studios Hollywood, but they had agreed to pay Marvel Entertainment a certain percentage. And what ended up happening is after the holiday season of 2008, the folks at Universal looked at, well, how much does it cost us to have a walk around Wolverine and a guy in a Spider-Man outfit and somebody dressed as Storm meeting with people in the upper lot? It's like, that much? Oh, uh, no. We don't want to pay that anymore. We are going to let our option lapse. And that, however, left a window open for Disney to bring the Marvel characters to California that they could appear at at Disneyland. So April of 2013, uh, also tied to Iron Man 3 arriving in theaters. We got the Hall of Armor, which was upstairs in uh, the old Circle Vision Theater where the America Sing show was shown. And they had a display that featured, I want to say, Some of the 31 different suits of armor that we get to see, the, what did they call that? The party? Yeah, the house party protocol. Protocol. There we go. So you got to see a lot of the Spider-Man outfits from the house party protocol there. And what was interesting then is going forward that as each new Marvel film would arrive in theaters, Disneyland would expand what eventually became known as Marvel Superhero Headquarters, at Disneyland, uh, So November of 2013, tied to the release of Thor Dark World, we got the Treasures of Asgard experience. And you could cross the Rainbow Bridge to Asgard and, and do a meet and greet with Thor. And the imaginers came up with this wonderful illusion uh, where Thor would greet you as you walked into the room. He'd be waving his hammer down, and then he'd set it down and invite you to try to pick it up. And what you didn't know is that there was this hugely powerful electromagnet that was holding the Thor's hammer. uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, so all these little kids who, you know, would come up and you know, try to pull it up and, and, and Thor, who evidently had in his outfit, I, I don't know if it was a cool remote with Disney Plus on it, but he had something that he could click on and off and like, no, let me show you, lift it up like this, it's easy, now you do it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, come March of 2014, out ahead of Captain America Winter Soldier, we got a living legend exhibit and it really worked out well. But at the same time, they were handcuffed by the fact that they had this agreement that prevented them from doing anything of size stateside. So this explains why when we finally got our first really for real Marvel attraction, it was on the other side of the world. It was in Hong Kong, January 2017. We got the Iron Man experience. And to be honest, we largely got that exhibit opening over there because they'd already set aside the money to make the Star Wars simulator ride. Mm-hmm. And it was like the the folks from Hong Kong were like, I don't want to have the same thing as all the other parks. And it's like, well, how would you feel about an Iron Man ride? It's like, yes, yes, we want that. And then uh, jumping ahead, obviously, May of that, that same year, we, we finally got Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. Fall of that same year, 2017, we got our first Marvel day at sea on the Disney Cruise Line. And by the way, Aaron, just like your steamboat idea out, you know, on on the Mississippi, the Imagineers were really happy because, you know, (laughs) the Disney Cruise Lines were out on international waters.
1: Yeah, anything goes out there.
0: That's it, exactly. So they could do whatever they, that they wanted.
1: Hey, you um, remember that substance abuse plot line that we could never use for Tony Stark because it was just a little bit too touchy for the kids in the movie theater? Well, guess what? Come on out to the Keys, and we'll show you what Tony Stark's really been up to in his off time.
0: Devil in a Bottle? Demon in a Bottle? What yeah, was it was that
1: Demon called? in a Bottle.
0: Demon in a Bottle. Yeah, got uh, yeah, that, that cover. <laughs> yeah, Wait. yeah. Fall of that year at the D23 Expo. This is when the Avengers Campus project gets announced. And what's fascinating about this is that it's three different campuses, California, Paris, and Hong Kong. Uh, They're supposed to have sort of different attractions, but also, you know, some similarities. Uh, Jumping ahead here, uh, March of 2019, we get Ant-Man and the Wasp Nano Battle at Hong Kong. The the two attractions, the Iron Man experience and uh, Nano Battle were part of what was called the, the Hong Kong edition of Stark Expo. I mean, it kind of a lovely throwback to what they did in Iron Man 2. You mm-hmm. know, the notion of, hey, you know, Tony's dad used to do this, and we're doing one. And we're going to do it in Hong Kong this year. Now, uh, Avengers campuses are under construction at this point, Six acres of Marvel-related attractions. However, the DCA version was supposed to open originally open on June eighteenth, two 2020, and a course, that didn't happen because of COVID. I mean, that park was up closed for the better part of a year. Finally, when the Disneyland Resort reopened, uh, June 4th, 2021, Avengers Campus uh, finally opens there. And then just a few weeks after that, over in Europe, we get the Hotel New York, the Art of Marvel Hotel opens up. And, and again, has uh, kind of the uh, same fun things that We're in the superhero headquarters. Displays of of armor, but at the same time, original pieces of comic art. And then, of course, uh, just a few weeks ago now, uh, May 27, 2022, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind opens at Epcot. And it's not a terribly original nickname, but have you heard what they're calling this attraction now? No, I don't. I have no idea. It kind of has the something to do with the folks who are are having down trouble holding down their lunch. The vomit comet. Uh, the vomit comet. Well,
1: that's very unoriginal. I mean, anything that goes fast that makes you sick is a vomit comet. So yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, come on, guys. But this is
0: this is the first one that actually travels through space, so everyone thinks they're being clever. Oh
1: yeah, okay.
0: So uh, today, again, July twentieth, two thousand twenty-two, Avengers Campus has opened to the public. At Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris it has been previewing, uh, they've been holding mini events and, and that sort of thing for the, the past week to 10 days. And just like so many parts of the United States right now, that they're, they're having a ridiculous heat wave over in France right now. And I don't know if you've seen what they're doing to mitigate this with the guests, but they've been rolling fire hoses through... Both Disneyland uh, Park in Paris and the Studios Park in Paris, and what they do is they they stick holes in the fire hose so that it sprays water and just mm. let the guests walk, walk through the cool mist.
1: No, see, I was hoping that we were going to be reliving that moment from uh, Weird Al Yankovic's infamous movie <laughs> UHF with had uh, what was that Cosmo Kramer drink there from was. the
0: fire hose. And
1: then the kid opens his mouth, and they blast him with the fire. Now, see that was quality entertainment.
0: I'm not going to argue that point. UHF uh, yeah. has its charms. Yeah. So let me
1: ask you about the Paris uh, location. Mm-hmm. Uh, first yeah. off, by comparison speaking, mm-hmm. in in California, we were supposed to have a Wakanda location, right? And and that's oh, shelved. Oh yes. But is um, is Paris complete? is there anything missing anything that's still waiting in the future to be done how open is this just like one attraction all of it
0: uh the battle of wakanda attraction was supposed to be the super e-ticket for all three of these in fact okay uh, uh, avengers campus in hong kong is still under construction and will supposedly open next year but the battle of wakanda super e-ticket Once we lost Chadwick Boseman, this thing was put on pause. I think also, as we move from Phase 4 into Phase 5 of the MCU, I think that there's a sense of, let's see what comes over the horizon to see if there's another character that's ridiculously popular or there's another opportunity within one of these films. What I love about Avengers Assemble the uh, Flight Force uh, attraction. This is the roller coaster that's sort of a retooled version of rock and roller coaster uh, Avec Aerosmith. And people have been, they haven't been quite as enthusiastic about the ride itself. Uh, there's been a lot of grumbling that the, what with the use of projections inside. And mind you, these mm. are projections of Brie Larson. She plays uh, Captain Marvel in this attraction and you know Iron Man recruits her to, to help out with, with his, this mission but in the pre-show there's this um, absolutely amazing electric animatronic version of Tony Stark at uh, 30 different functions it is one of the most sophisticated animatronics Disney's ever done for the park but, you know, the thing is that you see him in this pre-show element where he's reaching out to other Avengers like, I need help. Will somebody come here and help me? And there's a lovely moment in the show where they cut away. It's like, oh, okay, let me try to get a hold of of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Who can you get me? Oh, Rocket. And so it's not Jarvis. I think it's Friday. The mm-hmm. the, uh, the his, AI. Uh, AI. Uh, Friday dials up Rocket and when we connect with Rocket he's now in the Collector's Fortress we cut into him in the middle of the storyline of Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, where he's trying to to rescue his friends. And he's like, look, I'd love to be able to give you a hand if I had hands, but I'm kind of busy with my own rescue mission here. So it's just this lovely cross-reference between one Disney attraction and another Disney attraction.
1: That is rather brilliant.
0: Yeah, I, I have to admit, I, I, I like that moment. But the correct answer to your question, Aaron, is yes. You know, in fact, even when Hong Kong is finished, uh, Avengers Campus next year, it will be unfinished because there is this large expansion pad that was set aside for this Marvel Super E-ticket.
1: All right. So barring that one thing for all three locations, are there any Mm -hmm. other things that are lacking or still waiting to be built or is it complete beyond that one Wakanda attraction?
0: At this point, they are
1: considered
0: complete. Okay. Though, as we've been seeing with the Avengers Campus at, at California Adventure, as each uh, new film or limited series debuts on Disney Plus, uh, we have new folks. Uh, you know, that, that uh, in fact, just last week, the Mighty Thor, Jane Foster, began appearing in DCA, and prior to that, Kamala Khan in her Ms. Marvel outfit uh, was walking around DCA. And they had a a number of these folks also appear in the Walt Disney Studios Park version of Avengers Campus. So nobody plans a a vacation to France or California based on the, ooh, I'm gonna see, you know. a walk around character, yeah. But it's still nice. And and, and there was actually, uh, there's been some, some lovely photos coming out of California Adventure.
1: Well, I mean, if you're going to you know create the land, you have to populate the land with characters to make you it, do. you know, to mm-hmm. believe in. You know, the same thing with Star Wars. You can't just mm-hmm. put a desert landscape and go, that's Star Wars. You got to actually have a, a Vader or a, a Kyle Wren march so about, right? It's
0: so interesting you say this because as part, of the press uh, for the opening of Avengers Campus at uh, Walt Disney Studios, Studios Park in Paris. Mm-hmm. The president of the park got asked about, you know, what's in the future? I mean, you guys talked about, uh, you know, there was going to be the Avengers Campus and then there was going to be the, the Frozen Land and, you know, we can see you building the Frozen Land. But wasn't there also discussion of a uh, uh, Star Wars Land? Weren't you going, wasn't, are you guys going to build another version of, of Galaxy's Edge here? And just a, 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 in kind of an admission that nobody at Disney wants to make, it's like, yeah, we're not doing Galaxy's Edge here. We're doing a thing and it will be great, but it won't be Galaxy's Edge per se. Yeah, there will be some sort of Star Wars thing Oh, what was Uh, the name
1: of that thing that got canceled that George... It was like an underground, like almost on on the Coruscant planet, like 66 levels down. Oh, Uh, wasn't it Star
0: Wars... Sixty six. I mean, yeah, it was a, I, th- I think it was
1: a number. Yeah. Uh,
0: you know, the, and the notion was it was exploring the, the crime lords and the underworld of, of Star Wars. And I think
1: Coruscant works because it's a, a crowded planet with all the technology mm-hmm. and all the buildings. I mean, the whole there is no nature on Coruscant. It's just jam packed with buildings and alleys and stuff like that. And that's one of them things where uh, I want to say, if you mentioned how in Epcot, the, was it Turkey Pavilion? Like where the corridors just kind of lead, you know, just they're a little bit crooked. And, mm-hmm. and you think it goes further than what it does, but it's all an illusion because of how the corridor is twist and lined mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You know, I mean, they could do so much with that if they went with that type of a, a theme for... Instead of just a desert, which I think is cool, but if each land had their own thing that was Star Wars themed, but completely Mm -hmm. different from one another Mm -hmm. in the same way that Disney World, some people will wait their whole life to make that one trip from across Mm -hmm. the world to Disney World. That Mm -hmm. could be the thing for Americans where it's like, oh, I would love to see that thing in Paris. Now I got
0: to save up and make that one trip to that park. Right. That's an interesting idea. I mean, I I I guess Mr. Chapek, who just got his contract renewed with the Walt Disney Company for 3 years, has been visiting parks all over the world in the past couple of weeks and this is supposedly out ahead of making his first appearance at a D23 Expo as the, you know, the chairman and CEO of the Walt Disney Company and supposedly this is where he gets to reveal what he wants to build at the parks, you know, the, this, this event that's coming up in September. And it will be interesting to see what gets greenlit, what, what, how he decides to uh, make his you know, his big moves, and and whether it's going to be a, a Star Wars-based attraction or a Marvel. But for now, I mean, the Disneyland Paris is open. People are going to the Pim's Kitchen, which is, uh, for example, uh, there are differences between the parks. That The the, the Pim's Kitchen here is a buffet versus the Pim's Kitchen at DCA, uh, Pim's Test Kitchen. It's a quick service restaurant, but you can order the Pim the sandwich that feeds eight and seats 12.
1: You know, they really should do both versions of that where like there you can order the, the panini big mm-hmm. where, you know, you can feed the entire family and a couple other families standing around the mm-hmm. corner. Or you could do the mini panini, which is the size of like a postage stamp and you, you have to order them by the dozen surely. Mm. And you eat them by the handful, like they're M and M's, but you know, that's, that's how they go because Pimtek is is or small, you know, you, you gotta, if you do one, you gotta do the other.
0: And, and remember folks, uh, you know, those of you who are listening at, at, food services at Disney, the check goes to an Aaron Adams. And by the way, he's still waiting on that check for the steamboat out yeah. in the middle of the Mississippi with the, the Marvel theming. So, um, Anyway, folks, uh, that is going to do it for this week's uh, episode of Marvelous Disney. Of course, uh, when San Diego Comic-Con is over, there will undoubtedly be more news coming out of that. And thank goodness we have Drew Taylor and Brian Gon down there. Drew, of course, is the uh, gentleman I do the fine-tuning podcast with. Uh, Likewise, Brian Gott, of course, is the gentleman I do the Looking at Lucasfilm podcast with, and hopefully he'll come back with all sorts of Star Wars news. And and then we have the other other show we do here, Disney Dish with uh, Len Testa, which is about all sorts of other theme park news. Tell you what, folks, if you could do Aaron and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend, well, the show you're listening to right now, Marvelous Disney. Uh, Likewise, if... Uh, You really, really really like what you heard here tonight. If you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be killer. Uh, Aaron, can you tell folks where they can find you on social media?
1: Nope, not this time, my friend. Today, Uh I'm going to send you to at Seb4Chuff. I'll tell you why. (laughs) I know, it's it's a silly name, right? Mm -hmm. Apparently, uh, young man Seb had Mm -hmm. uh, open heart surgery. And uh, the family reached out and said, could any Avenger out there give a shout out to this young brave man? And Brie Larson said, Seb, welcome to the Avengers. Love, Captain Marvel. Oh. So if you could go to at Seb, S-E-B, the number four, Chuff, C-H-U-F, and say, welcome to the Avengers, Seb. We love you.
0: Oh, that's really sweet. Okay. No, I I, I highly support that idea. On the other hand, us social media, uh, eh, we're on Twitter. We're on Instagram as Jim Hill Media and over on Facebook as uh, Jim Hill Media News. And Aaron won't admit it, but you can find him at, at prod. So, <laughs> um, again, that's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you for listening, and we will be back soon.